Good morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Thank you for being a part of this study of Paul's missionary journeys in Acts. Next Lord's Day, we will be looking at Acts 16, 1 through 15, the Macedonian call. That's next Lord's Day, Acts 16, verses 1 through 15. If you would like a digital copy of this lesson or any previous lessons, or if you have a comment or a question, please contact me by email at bill.cants at gmail.com. Bill.cants, K-A-N-T-Z, at gmail.com. It's good to be with you this morning as we study Signs and Wonders, Activity in Lystra from Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. This week's lesson comes from Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the text reads, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Blessed be the hearers and doers of God's holy and divine word. 
When Paul and Barnabas left the city in Antioch, uh, they went to Iconium, and they received opposition in both places as Paul's message was inconsistent with uh, Jewish tradition and teachings. Uh, The more he taught Jesus Christ, the greater the opposition grew among the religious elite. In Lystra, the opposition caught up with them, and Paul was to suffer the consequences of his boldness to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. At both uh, Pisidian, Antioch, and Iconium, Paul and Barnabas found synagogues, but there was no mention of one in Lystra. Uh, A temple to Zeus was located in the front of the city, as noted in Acts 14.13. Typically, in Greek cities, local citizens were elected as priests. In addition to Zeus, Lystra's people looked to Hermes as the messenger god. Uh, No doubt, the population there served a, a pantheon of gods borrowed from the Greeks in addition to their own. When Paul and Barnabas entered Lystra, they encountered a lame man. Luke emphasized his condition with a threefold description. He was without strength in his feet, he was a cripple from his mother's womb, and he had never walked, as noted Acts 14 and 8. It is safe to say that by God's providence, the lame man was among Paul's hearers man's humility and the expression on his face, or perhaps just the earnest intensity of his attention, demonstrated to Paul the hope, the faith, the lame man was willing to place in Jesus Christ. All things are possible to those that believe and show a sample. Acts 14 and 10. The spirit of the glorified physician came upon Paul. The effect was instantaneous, Brother Bell. Those in the crowd who saw Paul heal the lame man had no doubt a miracle had taken place. They cried out, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Acts 14 and 11. At Lystra, Paul and Barnabas faced a crowd who knew nothing of God. Paul faced a similar audience, was to face a similar audience later in Athens, Acts 17, 22 through 31. We'll be looking at that in two weeks, Lord willing. Both at Lystra and Athens, Paul's task was to help his audience understand the foolishness of idol worship and to discern the relationship of God to what he had revealed of himself in the natural world through Jesus Christ. Many say I revere, you know, many people say they revere God's beautiful natural gifts, and this is often called natural theology. Natural theology, as we know as Christians, is insufficient in itself. Living in the world for those who are sensitive to their natural world Environment teaches the beauty of God's creation, but falls short of the beauty found in the message of Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to persuade, exhort the men and women of Lystra 
to turn from idols and nature worship to the one true and living God. Acts 14, 15. Men, why are we doing these things? This is a rhetorical question. Paul, as the great apostle, exhorts idol worshipers to turn, forsake vanities, and hold on to the living God. He says, you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Psalm 135, 15 through 18 reads, The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust them. 1 Samuel 12 and 21, the NLT reads, Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally worthless. Ephesians 4, 17, New King James reads, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. 1 Peter 1, 18 says it this way, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Acts 14 and 16 from today's lesson reads, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Acts 17.30 in the NIV, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Uh, To repent, to exercise sorrow for sin and forsake idolatry is the way of the Christian. Repentance is preached everywhere because all shall be judged. By grace, the penitent escapes. As Paul recognized outside of Jesus Christ, there is no such thing as ethical completeness. Acts 15 and 17. He did not leave himself without witness. Nature is most definitely a glorious testimony to God's love. However, to worship nature instead of the creator falls woefully short of God's providential intent. By Acts 14 and 19, the social climate had shifted dramatically. The multitudes, or the people, a large number of those present, had been swayed by the visiting delegation of Jewish traditionalists that Paul was a danger and his quick stoning was in order. The multitudes, the masses, are fickle and changeable, influenced by what is popular, what is in style. They are easily swayed by the demagoguery of false prophets. We see that most assuredly, in our world today. 
The multitudes are referenced four times in Acts 14. From Acts 14.13, where garlands are extended to Paul and Barnabas, to Acts 14 and 19, where stones were raised against Paul. Very soon, indeed, the hands that were diligently employed in paying sacrifice to the apostles were busy hurling stones at them. Things had changed in an instant by the persuasion of the Jewish hierarchists who feared the message of a Messiah whose message they understood signaled the demise of their power. Paul survived. He was not done yet. 2 Timothy 3 and 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul recovered from the outrage and was able to resume his journey. The good hand of God was upon him. Having a purpose-driven life based on God's expectation for us is the best medicine. Paul, with disciples gathered around him, rose up, Acts 14 and 20. Paul had a purpose, a vision, a message that was dynamite, the power of life eternal. Truth overcomes ignorance, and Paul was a harbinger of hope, as demonstrated by his faithful journey, modeling and teaching God's message of redemption in Jesus Christ. He had work to do, work for the Lord. What about you? What about me? Are we zealously working in God's vineyard? Are we participating in a united effort to overcome the barriers of hatred and dissimulation the world throws at us? We are to love one another in action that aligns us with truth. Let us persevere and remember we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, a God of love, mercy, and hope in Jesus Christ, we approach your throne of grace with all humility and mindful hearts. We thank you for Jesus Christ, his teaching, his truth, his sacrifice for mankind. We thank you for being a God who sits high and looks low. We thank you for your long suffering. We come with petitions on our heart. We pray for all within the sound of my voice and our extended families represented here. We pray for relief from pain and suffering. We pray for spiritual prosperity for all. We pray for the peace that passeth all understanding. We pray that this lesson has been edifying and uplifting. These and all other blessings we ask in the most precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Again, thank you, brothers and sisters, for being a part of studying God's Word. Stay safe. Bye now.